All right, what a fun first episode we just had together with Sarah Ness. It was a lot of fun. Did it on the authentic revolution. A lot of fun. Now, we'll get a little bit deeper for all those that want to tune in. Hmm. <laughs> so, Sarah, what would you like to start us off with? Um, I was actually really curious about you. So I kind of just like want to fire some questions at you and at Ron, if that's okay. Excellent. Go Sweet. for it. We'll um, see how long Ron sticks around, but yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Should I ask him things first, just in case? No. Go ahead. You ask Aaron first. Okay. Uh, so actually, a question I have for both of you okay. is, I got the sense that like you have a really strong underlying philosophy to like why you do this show and what you care about. If you had to like put the essence of that into words, like what do you care about or believe such that it has you want to do all this work? Mm, that's a very good question. Hmm. Well, <laughs> and hopefully I you know, speak for Ron at times about these things, Ron will chime in if I'm not, but the, the, the trajectory of our world can be aligned in a more positive direction by sharing people and ideas that do exactly that. And so that's what this program does. It shares those ideas and those people that we think can help align the trajectory of the plan in a better direction. And as we mentioned in our first episode, prevent the civilization collapse, help with authentic relating with other people. It's a very multidisciplinary show. So you'll see scientists on here, you'll see entrepreneurs on here, you'll see spiritual leaders on here. You'll see people in the emotional intelligence space on here and across all different fields. And so that makes it also really cool for building out a, a worldview that has a ton of different perspectives that is baked into it. And the show is, yeah, a daily show featuring the different leaders, but it's also live events that we do. It's also us working on bigger projects that synthesize all of the complex information that we're learning into both short videos, longer films, books, all different types of things that we're working on. And yeah, maybe we hear some things from Ron too. What, what was the question? <laughs> What's yeah. our underlying philosophy behind the show? Uh-huh, yeah, or like even a little like what is it that you care about or believe in? So like I heard like aligning the world in a more positive trajectory, but like that could be more positive in terms of like politically, environmentally, socially, technology, and inside of those, there's a bigger thing. So like, what is it that wakes you up in the, in the morning and has you be like, yeah, this is the thing I wanna change? Well, I have a different perspective on things because I'm not as optimistic about the future as Alan is. I feel uh, our, this, the destruction of this civilization is inevitable. Granted, there are a lot of evolved uh, humans among us, but I don't think um, enough for us to collectively get the lesson. Uh, our problem is with uh, acquiesce more than anything. It's about the people that are, are, are quiet when they see something wrong or the people that will sell out and that's totally understandable because people have families to support and if they have a job that pays really well and it's not the best ethics, you know, they'll still take that job and, and, and that's, uh, 
the problem among us. What wakes me up in the morning? Just when I'm no longer tired. And that's, that's how I roll. I just, you know, I don't, uh, you know, keep a, a day job, so to speak. So I, I get my sleep and I'm just living off of uh, Ron, Ron Vargas's brain in his memory. And it's always, you know, it's a symphony of uh, souls that inhabit this body. And I have a, you know, all I can do is apply it to, 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 to all what I've learned is just to apply it to myself. I've learned in my 52 years that uh, people will learn uh, on their own. They don't want to, you can tell them as much as you can about the truth, but they need to discover it themselves. And we learn through hardship. And the, the destruction of this civilization is going to be a, a big uh, learning tool for us and we'll rebuild again mm. and we'll and we'll probably destroy ourselves again it's a very long process evolutionary process the divine source to connect with the divine source as we're being you know manipulated and genetically modified in someone's image that wants us to believe it's god when when it's really not it's no more uh, of a, a god than you and i Ooh. Manipulated and genetic image of someone, something that wants to believe it's God. That was beautiful. I, I don't. I, I, I. True. I don't. I don't believe. I. I think. I don't think we evolved to who we are. I think it's a, a, a genetic genetic modification. Mm-hmm. That's why I brought up the animals earlier in the program. This planet mm, okay. with uh, the living plants and animals is a beautiful ecosystem. Big fish eat little fish. Lions don't go to hell for chewing on the wildebeest. And uh, if you're a vegan, I need to remind you about the Venus fly trap that eats flies. So. <laughs> so, so what I'm really curious about now is like, you two almost seem like you lie at different ends of the spectrum. Like it seems like there's some similarity in like, that you think about this on a wider scale and what is philosophy and how are we impacted by the environment and like have a consciousness of yourself on a wider level. But like, they're pretty different worldviews. So like, how do you, work together <laughs> I think that's exactly why it's such a good combination because Ron teaches me a lot with what he just said and then I hope that through some of the things that I say that Ron also feels like he's reminded about some of the more positive optimistic and even at times realistic and futures that we can develop Ron's 52 I'm 26 so it's you know it's a double age game too that Ron's been around longer to see the world evolve twice as long as I have Mm. and because of that he's seen some things that I have yet to see and so I'm also trying to pick up as I talk to people that are older than me on the show we do our best you know just Phil Borges was just on the show and he's 76 and so he has had, a, he was born in 42 during World War II. And whenever that happens, I mean, like you gotta remember, like humble yourself, kid. Like people have had like a lot of life experience that they're trying to share with you and with other people on the program. So humble, humble yourself, don't let your hubris get ahead of you. And also 
remember the selfless essence that you try and carry, which is that this program is not for you, it's not for Ron. This program is for other people and inspiring them to make that trajectory more positive. And this has nothing to do with fame, money, greed at all. This has everything to do with people coming together to build a better world. And that's the main pillar of our ethos that I at least carry as best as I can and aim to remind myself of. But it is in very many ways, just uh, Ron teaches me a lot by having a perspective that's different than mine in many ways, but similar to mine as mm -hmm. well. What I love about it is you, you both are like so like articulate and obviously thought out in your views that it actually has me have a lot more respect for both of you that you allow yourselves to be influenced by each other. Because that's hard, like to have something you care about and to have other people challenge it and to be like, oh, maybe this is a point of information. Yeah. Yeah, always treat it like you can learn from everyone, yeah. Yeah. It's a great dynamic. Yeah, the other thing that I really like about that is like the respect for age. I've been, um, one of the topics I've been exploring lately is death and dying and aging. And in one of the conversations that I was having with friends, something came up around like, there aren't really good models for age in our culture. Like for what it looks like to, to age in a way that's generative and positive for society and also for yourself or to like take in wisdom from people that are older. Um, and so I'm hearing that in what you're saying about Ron. It's, it's, we also have to be careful with, um, you know, with age. There's, there's a lot of examples of uh, adults that are full of shit and acting, <laughs> yeah. and acting very uh, juvenile and totally. it doesn't lacking wisdom. in emotional yeah. intelligence. And also, you know, I'm not, I'm not a parent, I'm not a dad, but I just, I'm just acknowledging where parents have a tendency to teach their children stuff that they, that they believe and they want their children to uh, grow up like them when, you know, they, they still have lots of work to do within themselves. I think there's mm -hmm. lots of things that, you know, parents should listen to their children. You know, they, I think they're coming from uh, another place, another understanding. I don't believe that the, the soul is fresh and children are born innocent. You know, they're subject to the genetic structure of their mom and dad, and then there's who they are, and, and all they want to, all we're all tasked to be is a more divine human being and less uh, disconnected from, you know, a good example of just our current state of affairs right now. Mm. You take someone that's younger and you, like Esther Wachiski's been on the show and she's, <laughs> Um, I think she's just turned uh, around 70-ish as well, and her um, ethos is that um, working with kids in Palo Alto in the high school in journalism and just doing things like media arts and like for 30 plus years of doing this, and if she's literally hanging out with people that are between the ages of like 13 to 17 on a daily basis and hearing their ideas and she's staying really open-minded to learning from them, that will keep you young forever too. Like you have to have a little bit of like rigidity with like, yeah, the kids probably can't publish like things that are, uh, that explicitly talk, uh, showcase violence um, and things like that. Um, but at the same time, that if they are trying to push the edge in some way for someone like Esther to stay more uh, open-minded and um, humble to letting the kids have leadership and direction, that's like when you talk to kids, if you're going to stay open-minded, you may learn something from a 13-year-old, an 18-year-old, a 24-year-old um, that you 
do not hear of very often in your circles of adults. And so I think, uh, especially with young people, um, you can literally see, like, Phil, uh, when he was on our show, he was, you know, finger-poking at the keyboard when he was trying to type stuff. And there's a big difference between the kids that are, like, 15 right now that know how to use technology in and out seamlessly. Mm -hmm. And so... Like there's for sure a lot of information that can be learned from the kids, especially if they're super hungry in a specific subject and they're just sponging up in for knowledge in that subject and then practicing teaching it to other people. Um, yeah, we've had like, Dosh has been on our show, young 20 year old building bio labs of the future. You know what I mean? Like this is what we're talking about, really young people that are at the edge of their fields too. So stay humble even to people younger than you that can teach you things. So that's a, yeah, that's a big part of the ethos. So um, there was this, this thing that I was playing with the other day when I was having that conversation of death and dying and I, was, I thought of something called the God game, which is like, if you were God and you could reinvent society in whatever way you thought would work best, like same laws of human nature, same structure and all that, but you can reimagine it. Um, how would you reimagine learning? That's a good question. We asked the question on the show, if you could rebuild civilization from scratch, how would you do it? Yeah. That's one of our cues too. But specifically like around one. learning, like what would you do? That's what I heard you too. You said that that's a little different for sure. And you also kept it in the same natural laws. We let people build with whatever laws they want off the bat. That's cool. So same natural laws. How would you reimagine learning? Well. First of all, one of the most important things to remember is that the input stream that you take in is, is what ends up becoming you. So to be very vigilant with what inputs you take in as your learning material is critical. And another thing is Bloom Two Sigma. So remembering that if you have a mentor, that you're going to perform two standard deviations above the mean of other people that are trying to learn in, in like larger class sizes. So having mentorship being very vigilant of your input stream, um, having really cool activities around expanding people's awareness from the really young ages when they're born into the world, teaching them about things like deep time and how we actually got to this point. Yeah. I'm loving this and, and just to make it like even a little bit more experiential, like I'm a kid, I'm like just born, I'm going through yeah. like the education system, what happens to me? Yeah. I, do I get assigned a mentor? Like what is, just as kind of a fun thought experiment. Yeah, it's a great thought experiment. Well, there's definitely something about when you're like first born into the world about how to, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not a fan of being born into hospitals actually. Hmm. Um, I'm also, you know, there's obviously like there's people like there's there's tribes like the Kogi tribe that's in Colombia where the mamas that are born are born into caves and then they stay in caves for their first nine years of life and they develop their sensitivity with their connection to spirit their connection to mother earth their connection oh. to nature and then by the time they leave the cave when they're nine they're ridiculously connected so yeah, being born into hospitals and then being, being like given um, like technological devices before like the child even understands who they themselves are definitely seems like it could be a recipe for not as much self-actualization. So, okay, so you're a child, you're born into the world. Well, first of all, probably be born somewhere that's not in a metropolis. Like, so you're born into, into like a beautiful 
array of trees in Oceanside, let's say, and then when you're there, like every day, like you're doing things in nature that provide you with food. Like you have to learn how to garden right away. You have to learn how to look at the stars and realize how much they dwarf your own ego and how much, um, how beautiful it is that we all come from creation and that all of us are acting as nerve endings of creation. So if you can remember those things from the young age and also like have activities that teach you those things, which, you know, this is on the spot, I'm doing my best, but like those are, I think, some of the critical like activities to go through. Yeah, what do, what do you think? That was, no, that was really beautiful. Thank you for that. I like got these pictures in my head of what it would be like to grow up like that. And I hadn't really reimagined life outside of being born and growing up in a metropolis. And so thinking about like growing up, having a sense of perspective on myself, feeling connected to things outside myself. Like Elizabeth Gilbert has this really beautiful TED talk where she talks about like how if if she felt like she was the one responsible for all her writing, she would be so like tense whenever she wrote. And so if she thought of it as something that came through her, there was this sense of freedom. And that seems like really mm. what you're speaking to is like, how do you have freedom by believing it's not just you? Yeah. Yeah. Ron, do you have thoughts on the education of children when they're born into the world? Well, I'm not as reluctant. Uh, yeah, I kind of like the metropolis. I like to be where the action is. I wouldn't mind being born into the city, but also I understand the importance of uh, getting away from that city. And you might have a greater appreciate, appreciation for nature uh, if, if you, you grow up without it and uh, then you, you, you get back to it. So it's, it's, and it does, it certainly takes all types, you know, among us. So, so we can't all grow up in, in nature, you know. Some of us have to be city slickers. Why that. not? Because it takes all types. So I'm actually curious for you, like, if I'm a kid growing up in your ideal world, like, where do I grow up and what do I learn? Like, what are the first lessons? Good question, the yeah. The first experiences? If you, what, and what is the question? Like, what I, what I loved about what Alan answered was kind of like, what are the... the almost like the things that get set in your mind from a young age that influence everything else. So like, what are the experiences or lessons that you would want every kid to have when they're really young? Every child to have? That's not for me to say because there's this, this so many different opportunities. I mean, I, I just, I ran away from home when I was 12. You know, I didn't like what was, what was there. You know, mm -hmm. you, met, you, you talked about your brother earlier and that, you know, you, you weren't all that connection. You had a, a rough childhood. You know, I kind of had that with, you know, all my family, looking at it more like a, an observer and uh, trying to adapt and, you know, trying to use humor to, to break things up. You know, but I didn't, you know, I just, I, I saw it myself. You know, what I was looking for, I obviously wasn't getting, and I just, uh, you know, tried, tried to break away from that and find it, and I did. You know, I, I did, I had a great journey. I've done lots of different things, met lots of different kinds of people, and um, I've, I've learned a lot, and there's still lots more to learn. But, you know, as, as a child, it's, it's not really for me to say what every child uh, should get in their childhood, because I don't know where they're coming from. Mm. 
you know, I don't, I don't know what, what, what they need. And it's another interesting dichotomy is that, yeah, Ron's had a very, um, tons of different experiences in his 52 years. And that's because he like went on a path that was so much different than what was trying to be programmed into him. And I think that's really beautiful. But this is a good dichotomy. Ron says something like, you know, who am I to say like what it should be? And I'm like, I'm pretty certain that that what I have studied, even in the youthful days that I have so far, is I'm pretty sure it. And it, I sit on the shoulders of giants. Whatever's coming through me is sitting on the shoulders of. We're talking a hundred billion people that have lived and died before us to build this civilization. Their most profound knowledges is what I've been studying especially over the last couple of years of doing the show. And to know that we all come from creation and to know that of our interconnectedness and to know of our own purpose and our own divine calling that we're birthed into the world to achieve, like I'm pretty sure that those two things are the most crucial to start. And then from there, there's plenty of other ways to endeavor but I could say even a close third one would be to know what the cru most crucial things are in the civilization that you're birthed into so one could view it as this wisdom race that we talked about in the first episode where the exponential technologies are being democratized the geopolitical situations are being crazy and so Consciousness, the level of consciousness on the planet has to rise up fast enough to be able to, to handle that. And another way to view it is like the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. So that these are the important things. Maybe once you know that we all come from creation, once you know what your purpose and your most uh, deepest drive towards meaning is, well, then there's so many different things for you to pick and do, but to be maybe geared more in the direction of solving the world's most complex challenges, I think is a pretty good next step after that. Yeah, there's such a interesting, and I'm just really loving seeing the way that y'all balance each other. And like thinking about, about age a little bit again, it's like, like as I get older, I keep like finding things that I think are true and then they get disproved. But I still have like enough energy and passion to be like really into the things that I'm into. It's like, yeah, I actually believe that authentic relating and better communication can like take away a lot of suffering. And my goal in the world is to reduce or human suffering. Like that's the thing I care about. And I feel like I've found one path towards it. And I imagine as I get older, like, I'll try things, I'll get disproved, I'll find that wasn't really it, and there was something else it. Like, my mom studied um, epidemiology, which is the study of disease across population, and epidemiology has added something like 30 years to the human lifespan in the past 100 on average. And she studied that for years and years and made incredible contributions to the field, and then when she got older found that, that aging and the way that our healthcare system deals with it is one of the biggest problems in society. Yeah. And it was like, her work in a way contributed to that, even though on one scale she was doing something beautiful. And so it's like, I imagine where Ron has gotten to is like having that enthusiasm towards various things and then having it balanced more and more over time to where now his like power is that he can give, he can give perspective and feedback on things and then your power is that you can be passionate towards things even if it's not as balanced. But like, I think we have to actually have a, a like more single-minded perspective to really go towards something. 
You're going to have so many tests of faith when you have that push. Like, if you want to make the world a better place, if you want to change it, there's going to be all different types of tests of faith that are yeah, going to happen along I the way. I got a lot of that when I was challenged to do better, you know, the tests. Oh, really? Oh, really? You want to be positive all the time? And then, you know, you get these challenges, and it, it, it's, it, it challenges yourself. You know, and I went through, but I, I recall distinctively, uh, you know, during my epiphany, my own uh, revelation, that I was challenged to be, you know, if I proclaimed I wanted to do better and be a positive influence, they, they, they gave me a lot to deal with. Mm-hmm. And they, I, when I make reference to they, I have no idea who they are. And just to also mention on our show, we ask questions. And the point is that when we come up with something that we think is a really good, maybe first and second principle for children to have as a education around the world, are, this is just what we're synthesizing at the time, but really we're the ones that are also, as we come up with these ideas of structures, we're simultaneously asking people for questions on what they think are the best educational systems, mm-hmm. what they think about the one that we have as an idea. So that's, that's, again, such an important part of the ethos is that it's not that we have answers. Actually, we have questions and mm-hmm. we're formulating ideas along the way and then asking people what their thoughts are on the ideas. I can see why earlier in the show you said you'd been studying Socratic dialogue. Or we're really interested in that. Yeah. I'm curious, like, what's one, one idea that you've had really changed since you started this show by doing some of these interviews? Like a belief you held in yourself? Probably that we all come from a single source. Hmm. What does that change to? That's probably been the most important one that's been changed. You mean beforehand you didn't believe that and now yeah, you do? Yeah, maybe like end of 2017, early 2018, definitely like a year and a half ago. I wasn't really thinking too much about that we all come from a single source, that we all come from creation. Wasn't thinking about that so much. You know, we had these little tastes of like, well, okay, we all come from the Big Bang. Or like, sure, people have been playing with different definitions of the Word of God, but I wasn't like piecing together in all my meditative experiences, psychedelic experiences. Now all of these things piece together more in a, in a way that makes a lot more sense. Hmm. Can, can, I, can I ask a question, Alan? Uh, you know, you talk about God, you know, divine reaction. You know, if, if somebody just out of the blue comes up and just punches you in your face for no reason whatsoever, you, I'm challenging you to, 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 to explain to me why punching him back if not punching him, punching him to death so that he, that he doesn't do that again to anybody, how is that not godlike? Hmm. Alan. And, 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 and furthermore, it's, say if you want to you know, do the Jesus thing and uh, you know, to, to turn the, the other cheek, uh, and you do that, and this person that punched you in the face the next day kills somebody, uh, how are you going to feel about that? Mm-hmm. You're going to wait for God to, to fix it? Yeah, these are, you know, these are really interesting questions that it's great that Ron brings them to the attention of people because 
without someone that's willing to endeavor into asking it, like Ron, we would not know how to handle situations like that. Mm -hmm. The first thing to address that situation with is building a world where that doesn't happen. So that's first and foremost what I'm passionate about. I that's, don't think that's possible. I think the universe is very violent. It's random. And when you go trying to create a, 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 a utopia, a planet of love, it's, 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 it's against the laws of nature. Let me switch to my full screen. He's got, for those watching at home, I, we both have access to the switch. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> that's fun. But I, I do apply love. You know, I do believe that love is the answer, but we also talk about tough love. And what does that mean? And it, it's about saying no. It's also about mm. not enabling uh, drug addicts or, uh, or, or whatnot. You know, you have to say no and you have to turn your back. And you, and you can't worry about it. You can't save, we can't, we can't save the world from itself. We can't save this a human experiment from it itself. I believe the what's behind it needs to learn. Because I think there's something behind this. Kind of like us. And it keeps itself a secret. And that's what needs to learn. That's what needs to learn. We need to allow, if, if destruction is inevitable, so let it be where these little humans, uh, whatever's behind it all, it's eternal, the life force. And if we're all connected, I could be just multiple hey Ron, sources. Yeah. It seems like something you're really passionate about, like that you have this belief and like that what you've experienced has, what I heard is like there's like violence in that and a question of like what is what is God in that and where does it come from and like that that's an experience that God to me is the, is the rebellion that's the rebellion there's something among us that wants to program us and what is like to, to hear Alan's view on it like, <laughs> we haven't even gotten into the something he's, beyond he's the 3D reality. Alan, Alan reminds me a lot of uh, my naivete when I was young, and I did, I, I, I did have a, a more optimistic view and belief in uh, love. Uh, mm -hmm. However, you know, so, something has is, is, is taught me to think otherwise, and that's just that's who I am. So you there's know, a couple not for, layers. It's not to for this. everybody. Like I, I need to just be me. I don't want everybody to be like me. I like Alan and I are a good example of uh, just these uh, dynamics working together and respecting each other. Yeah. And if you know if if, if we can do it, then everybody else can do it. All we can do is uh, lead by example. Like I can't tell people what they should do, and Alan can't tell people what they should do but people can look at the both of us and say okay it works they respect each other's opinion they disagree with each other on different things but uh, on the same note these two men uh, you know produce a, a pretty good program that's yeah. that whose main focus is just in uh, creating a better human being I'm curious if you if you want to hear his view on it like what his perspective on this is. Well, I'm 52 years old. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, you know, I've just, 
It's almost like maybe you, you feel like you've heard the view. I have to, I can't be persuaded to, to, to not be me. I yeah. still have to be me. I don't... I feel like like respect and sadness at the same time. <laughs> I'm not sad. Don't be sad. I'm happy. I do whatever it takes to, yeah. um, to live this I don't know life. If I, I don't know if I feel it from you. I actually feel it like there's a sense of like the things in life that I can't change and the experiences that I've had. Like, like I can't change the feeling of growing up isolated and what that's like led me to do and believe about the world and the sense that like no one's gonna save me if I don't save myself. Like that's a fact that I just, I, I want to like change my view on it, but I believe it and it sounds like there are some of those for you. You've gotten help, I'm sure you've gotten help. Totally. Nobody can, nobody can, you're right. Nobody can't, you have to save yourself, but there is help, there's, there's help all around. You get help and you, you either go with it or not. And if you have to learn the hard way, so let it be. You know, I learned my lesson in love, I learned the hard way and I'm so grateful for that. I would never have understood uh, love, commitment, and uh, loyalty, respect if I did not uh, try to love. Yeah. And, I'm, and I have no regrets of uh, that. It was difficult, it was very painful, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a better person for it. Not that I'm, and, I'm, and I still have a lot to go regarding love. Curious how you're doing. Notice I want to like bring the energy down. It felt like there was like a lot of intensity and like a lot coming out. And I imagine like you're you're holding some and feel like a little bit in the middle or wanting to normalize or something. Yeah, there's some background that I think is important to give and the background's directly applicable to every single person, which is that what's happening on the planet is not just as simple as a bunch of humans on the planet with the animals and the plants and the earth orbiting a star in the galaxy and the universe, and that's the end of the story. And so because of that, then we must probe what is beyond that. Mm -hmm. And We've had many conversations on the show about that, and Ron has been studying into that for a while and having his own experiences with that for a while. I myself have started to have more and more experiences with that and more conversations and more reading and studying about that myself. And so that, how we view just the governments and the education systems and the media companies and the money monetary systems and the healthcare systems, all the different things that exist on the planet, the economy, all these things are at the surface. What's beyond that and who controls that is the next question. And then what's beyond that and who controls the people that control those systems that's beyond even humans is the next one. Mm -hmm. And it all comes from creation 
But then what happens after that? What exists outside of the physical planet that we live in and the physical creatures that live on the planet? And so Ron and I have been, Ron's been a major influence on me studying into that more and learning into it more. Other people like Bernard Gunther has been another major one. Um, Robert Stanley has recently been one. Um, Tom Montauk has been another one. Just more and more people that are pushing into that field of study. Do we, are we going to get Tom Montauk on our show? We're, yeah, we're going to aim to get Tom on the show that's coming up. And even these are people that are alive today. These, there are people like Dante that have been writing about this and studying about it. Even Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle that have been talking about it and writing about it even before them. And we're not talking 500 or 2,000 years ago. We're talking about since the dawn of civilization, there have been people talking about what the fuck is happening here that is beyond this physical understanding. What forces come through me? Is there a good and an evil? Mm-hmm. Is there, are there things like what people call archons that are evil spirits? And are there things that are angels that are good spirits? Are, there, are, there, are those at play within me to build this world? Are they competing with each other to have their own outcome happen on this rock? Why does it feel like the artificial cities that we've built, these metropolises, why does it feel like those in many ways are propagating what feels to be code that is very disconnected from what feels to be good code? Mm -hmm. And why is it when you go into nature, when you go into those depths of the woods and the oceans, that you feel things that are really true to who you are and what it is to have this experience? Is that potentially showing us our disconnect from creation? So this is a very long-winded way of just explaining that this is way more complicated than just a physical world. It's way more complicated than just a simulation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. <laughs> I can tell that like... It's mind-boggling. That that sense of it like that this is more than just the physical world that like you were talking about how that's one of the biggest things that you've learned in the last couple years and gotten a sense of and as you're talking about it I'm like drawn into to that and like the experience that you've had of that reality and how core that seems to you right now like it seems like a lot of what even underlies you wanting to do this show and what you get from it yeah and that makes me feel very gotten very understood yeah yeah i'm actually really impressed with the two of you like you all have some pretty pretty different worldviews, and to work together and to like be in that is like a major test of faith yeah i know i'm where i'm supposed to be right now i i i'm doing i'm this is my maximum potential at this point likewise do you feel that way? <laughs> that I'm living my maximum potential? I feel like I'm constantly questioning it every day, and in a way, like, that is living it. Like, yeah. I'm always keeping myself on the edge of, like, is this the thing that I should be doing today? Is this what's in my greatest good? Like, could I be doing more, serving more? Even to the point of, like, if I'm taking time off and, like, being lazy or, like, 
you know, I was at a fusion dance weekend all weekend and there's the part of me that's like, why aren't you working on stuff? Like, why aren't you building a, a newsletter to connect the different authentic relating communities and have them share resources with each other? Why aren't you studying how to like help kids in poverty get, it, get out of it? But like at any given moment, it's like what's gonna serve me most in being the most I can for the world and how do I do that from the place I'm at and how do I continuously update even what I believe? Like hearing both of y'all's experiences, like those are things that I don't know as much about. Like I don't know what it's like to grow up and, and like not and like not have a family from a young age or what it's like to like have a sense of real universal consciousness. Like I've tasted pieces of these things, but like I hope I keep getting impacted and having to question. And even though sometimes I resent that questioning and I'm like, should I be spending so much time? Like, should I just like focus on one thing? But it's like popping out to that wider perspective of what is the world as a whole and how do I fit into it? That like, I think ultimately makes me better. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. And you're also very curious in the first place about what exists. And because of that, you're going to end up wandering yourself into things. Just keep going into the fields that you think are most um, pressing and important to you. And if you think of, if you feel like what Ron and I were just talking about a little bit is very interesting to you, there's a bunch of different places to go and dive into this that, um, that we can help. And same thing with other people that are watching. So, because without those steps into these categories that interest us, it stays at the surface. Mm -hmm. And that's an unexamined life and that's not worth living. But the examined life is also a very difficult thing because when you start examining it, it becomes a little bit more, as some people use this word, schizophrenic, it does. <laughs> it becomes that way. It's like the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. It's like you can't know where something is and how fast it's moving at the same time. It's like as soon as I try to pinpoint something down, there's like way more movement that I'm present to. I'm just yeah. like, oh God, yeah. where does it stop? Yeah. 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 That's it. It's elusive. It's like trying to grasp water. Yeah. And so it, in, it's, it, in, it, in, it, in another word that also explains it is hyper-realities. There is a lot of different worldviews that are currently trying to construct what is true and what is reality and what is subjective versus intersubjective versus objective versus interobjective, all mm -hmm. these types of things. And it drives people nuts when they start trying to pin it all down. And that's why some of the most genius people that have ever existed before took the most burden on themselves to completely update the world around them. And they sacrificed their families, they sacrificed their friends, they sacrificed things to do on the weekends, they sacrificed entertainment, they sat, but they, they definitely didn't sacrifice connection to themselves. They enjoyed solitude. They enjoyed what they wanted to focus on achieving as the most important thing. And when you do that, you can make updates into the world and those transcend you. And if you're doing it for ego or fame or money, people can smell that and they will not work with you. And if you do it to transcend you, to make the world better, people can smell that and they will work with you. And so make that 
like one of your central ideas of existence is I'm going to identify myself with my North Star, with the central pillar of meaning and purpose, and I'm going to do it in the most selfless way possible. And then that's a good way to push a code update. And if you really want to get to all 8 billion people, which is possible, it's possible to make the world a better place. It's possible to try and um, solve some of the most pressing challenges on the planet to make sure we're not a collapsed civilization. Well, then you have to make a lot of sacrifices. Mm. And I think like, I like your perspective on the place that comes from of like, you can make sacrifices from ego of like, I'm giving this thing up and I don't like that and I'm upset about it and that's the way I'm gonna live out of like, something's making me do this or it's forced or sacrifices from a place of like, I'm part of something that's, that's evolving. That's like, I'm, I'm like a molecule in in a cosmos that I get to contribute to by whatever's happening to me and whatever's living through me. And even if that's just a perspective shift, there's part of me that, that finds it really relieving to take in information and then just kind of relax around it and go like, okay, what brings me joy day to day? And like, can that be the thing that I want to do for the world? And another place where Ron and I may likely disagree on and many other people um, that watch probably side with one of the two sides on this is I think it's a very clear distinction between the right-hand path and the left-hand path in terms of going back to source and connecting back with this God of all that is. Many people say that this right-hand path of pursuing things like meditation or like deep inner self-work mm -hmm. in your path to divinity is what is most pure and most clean on your ascend back. And other people say, fuck that. I'm going to pursue all different other types of shit, which is this left-hand path, which is I'm going to use all different types of drugs. I'm going to use all different types of material sensations and pleasures, any type of like uh, overindulgence into any types of um, of, of sensations and desires and that type of thing and people uh, choose to ascend towards uh, all that is in that regard and I think there's a very clear distinction between the two I think other people think that there's a very big blur between the two and that you can ascend however you want and I think it's very clear and you can see this with the trajectories of think about it how often has a drug like alcohol helped people reach a state of divinity with God versus how often has it just destroyed people's lives. Mm. And so I think it's crystal clear. Yeah, I could see the, the perspectives on it. And like, it's, it almost comes back to that, like the idea that we talked about in the show of like, if, if a hundred people, if like two of them are gonna be are gonna be psychopaths or like in this case, like if two people that drink alcohol are gonna reach divinity through it that couldn't any other way, like is it worth the, the 98 that might actually have negative impact on their life by doing it? Or it seems like what you're looking for is like, is there a path that more reliably might get you to a place of transcendence, even if the other one might be possible and some people might get there through acceptance of their own desires, which is kind of the dichotomy in my work. Like if you focus on authenticity, you're including things like people's desire to drink, people's desire to like Thank have you. material things. Like, Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's a part of people. And the more that we, 
I think to me, divinity often occurs as like, how do I accept the most parts of myself and other people? Because there's this like weird thing that happens where when I accept it, all of a sudden it has less of a hold on me. And it's like, if I'm drinking alcohol, it's probably coming from something where like, um, oftentimes for me, it's, it's like, it can be like, okay, I just want to like have a beer and I'm enjoying the taste. I'm going to drink it over the course of an entire evening to where it doesn't affect me much, which is usually it. And then sometimes it's like, I'm feeling like such a pain or a loneliness or something that I want to like take the edge off of it and feel something different. Um, and then if I, if I shame that part of me, if I, if I push it away, then I end up having like more drinks because I want to like dull the shame. And then I get caught in this cycle of like, you know, I'm not okay, the world's not okay, like something's wrong here. And I've been really exploring this idea of how can I like see what I'm doing and just relax a little bit around it. So like, okay, I have this desire. Let me sit with it. If I'm gonna do something, if I'm gonna drink, can I actually enjoy the taste of it? Can I feel this in my body? Can I feel where I am in the world? Like, I was here on Sunday, I was at a, a dance event and have a really hard time being away from my community on Sundays. It's the day when like all of my friends go to ecstatic dance and there's authentic relating games in the evening and I see all the people that I love. And when I'm in a foreign city, it's like, I don't know practically anybody. And there's this like really deep, like longing, like I want to like feel that connection back home. And like one of the things that it makes me want to do is like, you know, let me, let me just like go and get like a pastry to eat and just like feel something that feels good in my body to like fill that space. And in this case, I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let myself do that, but I wanna wait an hour and I wanna like actually feel like this longing is gonna come up again and again. It comes up every time I travel. Like there's not a getting away from it. So like, yes, let me, let me do the thing that makes me feel good, but let me also experience the thing that's happening. And there was actually a real beauty in like feeling, I think it was one of the first times I'd actually sat with like that pain really consciously and felt it and felt it as something that wasn't gonna go away. And then went and like got a scone and ate it and called a friend. And like by the time I did both of those together, I actually felt really settled in myself. And I think if I'd missed either one, I actually would have deprived myself of something. Sounds like balance to me, Sarah. Keep up the good work. We're all counting on you. <laughs> no one here gets out alive. <laughs> it's over before you know it. Yep, life's a terminal game. You're the star <laughs> of your own movie. If you take something like that example and you dig deeper into it, uh -huh. the elders from around the world have been saying this for a long time and it's directly related to what i said about educating children when they're born into the world that if the spirit of the child does not get connected to nature does not get create connected to creation and to their divine purpose from a young age what the elders say is that then their spirit becomes fragmented mm -hmm. When the spirit is fragmented, then people feel a void. Mm -hmm. I'm saying this from a position of privilege where I feel pretty strongly like I'm really working on making it so that I'm not fra 
fragmented and that I'm connected to divine source at all times, but that's a position of privilege. Other people from around the world say that when you're born into a village and you have indigenous people around you that are constantly working with you on that, that that is, is that a position of privilege? Or is it that we've built artificial artificiality into our human experience, mm -hmm. which has caused the spirit to be fragmented, which then enables what many people say, the evil to come through us into filling those fragments with material pleasures, with desires, right. with instant gratification, with sensations. And that can we find literally slow down enough with our decision making to say, okay, it's during the day, I've traveled to somewhere around the world, I don't feel connected right now. What if I practice some sort of a deep connection to my own spirit, to my own meditation, to this land, to this beautiful place that I'm in? What if I did that for a couple minutes? What would change? And then if you practice that and do it and something changes in you, which it is likely to change, then you may not need to fill yourself with something that is something sugary or sweet or something that is at, in the evening when you're alone to need to go and drink to fill something, but rather to go and explore something within yourself further or within the knowledge of society or within your own creative explorations into the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It feels, it feels true. It's like something I, I often question like what path I take in it. So I'll say like for myself, like I have a really hard time finding a sense of center. Like I notice that a lot of my identity feels outside of me. Like I feel emotions from people really strongly. I get really strongly affected by my environment. Even the clothes I wear totally change how I feel day to day. And for me, meditation is often like a really painful process. It actually feels like closing my eyes cuts me off from my source of identity. And it's something that I've like been working to sit with more. But the other thing I've been working- It totally does. Yeah, closing I imagine it's the same way for other gorgeous. people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and sometimes like I love it. And sometimes it's like the pain actually feels super valuable. And, and it was actually something that I was doing like when I was first feeling that like ache and, and longing. And um, I guess something that I've been trying to explore in the last couple years is, is there a way for everyone to reach beauty from the place that they are? And, mm -hmm. and are there multiple paths? Like if for some per people Absolutely, meditation yeah. is a path like for other people, is it awareness of the stuff that they're doing for other, and, and even like considering different personality types. Like if I teach a training, there's always some people that wanna hear more teaching and some people that want more experience. And I wanna say like, I'm more on the side of experience. Like y'all just like do the experiential thing. Like you'll learn the practices by doing it, just do it. And then I find out that there are people that like actually don't learn that way. Like they need to hear the teaching. They need to watch something like this, which I have a really hard time watching videos. There's so, I don't learn auditorily very well. I have to do something else with my hands. Like even while I hold phone meetings, I'm usually rock climbing. <laughs> like I can't, I can't like, like just sit still and listen. I'm too kinetic. And I've been like trying to expand. Like what are the different ways of making myself the best version of me and making other people the best version of them. Um, and, and like the, I definitely want to explore more of like what happens if I just sit with myself, um, and what happens if I like 
do the thing that I want to and stay present to it? And like, which of those actually gets me closer to like the goal that I want? So I appreciate that thought and I'd actually love the resources that you have around. Totally, yeah, and your perspective Action. is fantastic as well on the issue. David Alexander English said this on our show, the, one of the ultimate creations of source is a location where people can feel the illusion of separation from source, which is planet Earth. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> so just leave it at that. Yeah. Beautiful. Leave it at that. We're doing Beautiful. the best we can in these, these, this, this, this cult of personality, these meat puppets, you know, <laughs> living our, our consciousness, our soul, doing the best we can with the brain. Yeah. And, and, and thank you, um, Sarah, for I hope Alan heard your words. You know, I think Alan's uh, pushes more towards like an alien gray human species where everybody looks the same and everybody's the same. I don't do that at all. Not at all. Not at all. That's not me whatsoever, Ron. I we get, have a little bit of work to do. Then. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's well, that's not me the at feeling all. I get. But yeah, no, because you that. that's so binary. That's going to one extreme and labeling me with that. That's horrible. Yeah. No, everyone has a beautiful expression you. to express themselves that creatively in the world. And to be able to have that happening takes a lot of work to develop society, to make it so that every child that's born into the world can actually develop themselves to their fullest creative expression and potential. And so that's yeah. what I'm getting at. And that it, takes a lot of work with the social fabric to do that. And a couple of the first principles to get there are one, a deep connection to all that is, to source, to nature, first. Second, understand yourself understand yourself and your own purpose and your own meaning. There's not a prescriptive path towards principle one or principle two. Not at all. Are you the getting idea. angry? Are you getting oh, angry? It's passion. <laughs> it's passion. It seems like love. you're getting on the defensive. It's love. It seems like I hit the nail on the head there. And yeah. No, 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 no. Never no. ever say that about me or and I mean even other people. I don't think anyone on the planet wants everyone to be the same. That's horrible. Ron. When you talk about alcohol being, you know, fra and fragmented. Um, souls I, I I feel good in myself I don't you know I don't I don't think I'm all that indulgent huh. and uh, you know but it's just balance you know this life is yours and I'm gonna live it before I'm dead and I just don't want to hurt anybody mm. and and this this is me and you're you and you know this is where we all have to kind of work together you know, maybe they'll be down the road on the planet Earth, different places that you can go, like Fantasy Island from the 70s. I'm kind of dating myself on this show, but there used to be a show in the 70s where people could go and experience uh, things that they just wanted to experience. Maybe we'll establish that on this planet. If all the people that want to... Uh, hey, Ron, I yeah. can, I, can I interrupt you just for a second? I think, I think both of what you're saying is valid, but I'm noticing that, like, y'all are seem like you're hitting some pretty deep nerves in each other, like each other's like core way of life and your beliefs around it, which seem like they are different. Like y'all hold different beliefs and they might not reconcile. And I, I, I understand that. Right. Yeah, I'm good with that. I but mean, I think that like in what you're saying, like you're actually hitting on something that really matters to Alan. And I imagine that he actually like feels like his way of being is being judged even as you feel like yours might be judged by like 
the idea that that alcohol might not be welcome. It's like for him, it's like his idea that divinity is expression. I'm a troublemaker. Yeah, <laughs> that's my role. Yeah, I'm the devil's advocate in this place. I mean, that, that's that's my role. Right. So, but I imagine- apologetically. Mm. Where are you going with that? With that, like yeah. Um, I'm just noticing you two, like, it seems like there's these moments where you're, like, hitting, like, values and identity, which is, like, different than, like, kind of top-level conversation and feelings, but it's, like, for you, it's, like, there's actually an identity and a value around, like, the oneness of being and our capacity to become that, which isn't exclusive, I think, of Ron's, of Ron's, like, kind of what feels like a more grounded, like, like day to day and like how he's built himself and how he experiences others. It's almost like, like earth and heaven, but like where your, your views are or where your like focuses is different. And I think you're actually inclusive of each other's views, but when you're talking, you're not like affirming it first. So it's like, even though I think you see each other, it's, I think you both feel like the other's way of being is being attacked. And I'm wondering if that's, if you feel like attacked sometimes when when Ron is speaking, if there's something where you feel like he's missing you and what you care about. I'm just speaking really kind of openly. I enjoy the way that you're speaking about it. It's great to have another, uh, someone else here that's able to view this dialogue and then add their own perspective to it. I think that's extremely helpful. Mm -hmm. And I think what you said is really insightful. I'm curious if, like, if you understand Vaughn's point of view, like, if, if it makes sense to you. It's so difficult to be able to say one understands another person's point of view. I, I, I yeah. can say that I, I think Alan, um, he, 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 does, he does understand where I'm coming from, he, and he, he accepts that and uh, re- respects that. And that's, that's w- without that, this this couldn't happen. Mm. And same thing in return. Yeah. What that, do you, yeah. Ron, I'm curious what you understand about Alan's point of view. Like, what do you think he's standing for? Well, I know he wants to, we, we both want to see a better human being. Mm-hmm. But in order to, to achieve that, you know, we have to um, respect the difference in what it is to be a human. We're, 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 we're all different. I don't want to be so, all the same. Like, I, I, you know, in, in the army, you know, they, they, they shave your head, they give you all the same uniform, and they all want you to just stop, be the same person. Stop, 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 stop. This is leading to a straw man, and let's not go down this because mm-hmm. it's not actually what I represent whatsoever. So... A straw man is when you misrepresent someone else's point to make it easy to defeat. I never once said that I want everybody to be the same, so let's not even go in that direction. So this is this but is Sarah, where Sarah also mentioned uh, this her, is where her parents these. earlier, where they weren't necessarily aware so of um, what, I actually what they want, were contributing. I want to. Alan to be able to finish his sentence okay. just because it seems like the tension's getting high again. So you you like feel like your perspective is more nuanced, and like there's kind of a black and white, and you're like, okay, some of the nuance is getting missed in that. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. that's why the middle, my middle name was changed across all the social platforms to Nuance. Huh. Because by showcasing that word more frequently in the spheres that people most frequently occupy, which is now the internet sphere, and they see that word more and more often, they'll be like, it'll become kind of like a subconscious program into the word nuance and wanting that uh, to, to, to that, for that to be a little bit more of a central part of their lives rather than in this scenario, I think it was clearly evident that there was a misrepresentation of someone's point of view to make it easier to defeat. Mm. And that's... So you feel like it got, it got simplified and nuance is something that really matters to you? Yeah. Yeah, that that's why sense. the middle name's nuance now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty big change to make for something you believe in. Yeah, and I think that it's okay because you know I what I first said to Ron was that I don't know his perspective. I don't know your perspective. I don't know any of the eight billion people's perspectives. I don't know any of the animals' perspectives or even Gaia's this this spirit of Mother Earth's perspective. I'm only doing my best to try and understand it, mm-hmm. and so when you can really embody the words, I know, I know nothing, when you can really embody those words, and just, I know nothing, just, that's it. You can start there. And when you embody that, then you don't do things like accidentally straw man people's perspectives, or you don't do things that are, at times, you can think that you're doing something that's really beneficial, but if you just take a step back and just slow down Mm. and just humble yourself, a little bit more like you can't say that you know life 25 50 75 years and you shouldn't say that you know nothing because then you're going to be subject to um uh, governance and to follow and to be as one that has nothing to do with divine source i know i don't know everything alan but I'm not gonna say that, I, I dare not say I know nothing. I know nothing acts as a metaphor, and um, that metaphor is to humble people. I know nothing is not an actual statement of I know nothing, because everything in your life that you've experienced up until this point is that you know. You know what, where, you know where you were born on this planet. You know who your mom and dad are most likely you know these types of things you know these things you know what you ate for lunch or breakfast or whatever today right so these are well, things who's that, straw these man? Are that's things, a straw man these are, argument you these just accuse me of a no, strong man argument okay. and that, you're doing I'm, the same thing i'm bringing right up now. a very nuanced point of view right now which is actually that you know things you know things mm-hmm. but to say you know nothing is a metaphor for life and the importance of saying that it humbles you it humbles you that's it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> this has been beautiful. Yeah, thoughts? I, I'm getting a little tired, so I think I want to end after this. Okay. Um, thoughts? I want to find a, a way of y'all, like, so, so my, like, predisposition is, like, let me find a way for y'all to see for you guys to see each other's perspective and like how there's beauty in each, but like I have a bias towards inclusivity and it's like maybe y'all's perspectives actually are different and the creative tension between you two is like mathematicians that solve problems more because they like are pretty intense with each other. That's what it feels like for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And like I think that 
just there's there's a moment where like I I feel like both of y'all are like like even right now like somewhat high activation like I imagine there's just intensity happening in both of you I'm not sure but like I feel it in me and to me that's like a sign that um, I think I'd want y'all to like make sure that you hear each other when the intensity gets high or just like maybe take a break for a second because I think in those moments it's it's really hard to yeah. hear the other person. I was, yeah, I was getting ready, ready to, to walk out. out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, I, I do that and, and he doesn't take it personally or... Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, both, these are things that like matter both of us, a lot both to of both us do of exactly you. that. Yeah, I, it's a I, very beautiful thing. Actually, if more people around the world did exactly that, it would actually help the world out. Right. Go out and about on your own and come back. Time out. Yeah. It's kind of like this time out. The tea. The totally. tea. The time out. That's so <laughs> What's so cool about that though is it's like it's like this <coughs> idea of like you can get tr to transcendence through anywhere. Like you can get to transcendence through conflict and through full expression, or you can get to it through like owning your experience and seeing other people's point of views. Without violence. Right, exactly. I think when you, if you start out with an argument and then you end up in violence, then... That's a different thing, yeah. yeah. you lose. I was yeah. literally about to say the word intelligently. So that's, yeah. in this case, that's what that is. I like what you said about creative people that are able to clash just enough um, where they can help make themselves even more creative, expressed into the world. That's definitely what it feels like. It's a very beautiful thing. And if, if this didn't happen, right? Mm -hmm. If there weren't Ron's challenging Alan's and Alan's challenging Ron's and Sarah's seeing both perspectives and stuff, if this wasn't happening, you gotta remember that it would just be that same perspective, which would be so boring. It was actually in the second show simulation ever did with uh, June Yoon. It was a live event we did in December of 2017 with June Yoon. He has Two words. We asked him, you know, what will happen immediately after world peace? And he said, civil war. <laughs> and he said yeah. that he said that because of two words, mimetic do, do, do parallax. Mimetic parallax, which means that the two ideas need to be competing against each other for progress. Totally, Even yeah. if you have a utopia, there will be at least one, another party that says it'll become a better utopia if we do this additional thing to it, or if we make this additional change to it. So that's the idea of parallax, and that's what we get here is parallax to try and move things forward. There's I, a, great, yeah. a great story that it reminds me of, of like the Zen master who has a disciple that's like, constantly like just like challenging things and not coming to to like meditations and like never doing his work and like you know kind of always causing a little bit of chaos in the system and at some point the students come to the master and they say like master like why do you keep this guy around like how can you allow him to like stay at the monastery and the master goes oh him i pay him <laughs> <laughs> that's funny mm -hmm. Yeah. This thank was a good show. Good show. Yeah, good wrap. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, Sarah, for coming on for round two so immediately after the mm -hmm. first one. It was a lot of fun. I really appreciate you coming on again. Thank yeah. You. Thank you thank both you. for being so open. Yeah, yeah. We, we, love, we love stuff like this. This is great. And you were the one that said, hey, can I ask you some questions in the first <laughs> round? And I was like, no, no, this is about you. 
And then afterward, if you want to, we can do it, which we did. I'm very grateful we did that. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We greatly appreciate it. We'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments below on what we talked about this episode. It was a really interesting one to hear your thoughts in the comments below on. And again, check out all the information to Sarah's Authentic Revolution. Check all that out. Those links are in the bio below. And yeah, Ron Vagas produced and directed. Thank you again, Ron. And also support us. If you want more cool conversations like this happening, support us, support the artists and entrepreneurs, spiritual leaders in your area, support them. All our links are below. And go and build the future, everyone. Manifest those dreams into the world. We love you very much. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you soon. Peace. <laughs>